Yeah, because I look at it as like everybody sees Amazon and they're like, this is amazing. They've got Prime. They've got same day delivery. They've got this. Well, if you're a small Shopify store, you're never going to have the the money and the, the time and the resources to do that. So can Narva provide some of those same experiences for these smaller and, and even large businesses? Even large businesses are not going into that themselves. They're not tech first. If you want to drastically improve your business, learn proven growth strategies, and generate sustained results for your organization, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. My name's Jeff Standridge. This is Jeff Amrine. How you doing? You know, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I'm just uh, excited to be here. I know we've got a fantastic guest on today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who we have? We do, Jeff. Lucinda Foss is the vice president of product at Narvar, uh, the post-purchase platform for e-commerce, serving over 125 million consumers worldwide. She has a deep passion for removing friction from user experience and has led transformations across multiple industries, including construction, personal finance, uh, human capital, and now with Narvar e-commerce. Lucinda, great to have you with us today. We're going to learn much more about you and Narvar as we go through the episode today. So great to have you. Great. Thank you. Nice to be here. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Sometimes before we get started, we like to have sort of a random musing as, as a bit of an icebreaker. And today's random musing is what is your favorite activity outside of the office? We'll start with you, Lucinda, if that's okay. Sure. So... I, uh, I am a big snowboarder. In fact, I pretty much relocate from San Francisco, where I spend most of my time, to Truckee, California um, in the winters. And I'll be up there. I've been up there for three months. I'll be up there for a couple more months and try and get out to the slopes as much as possible. Wow, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun. For those of us who never got beyond uh, regular slalom skiing to, <laughs> yeah. to snowboarding, good on you. That's, that sounds great. Jeff, what about you? Well, um, I, uh, as you know, Jeff, for, for the last couple of years, it's been maybe three years, was really cycling. I really got into to road biking and gravel biking. And, and uh, since I'm such, such a specimen of human physical fitness, I don't feel like I need that anymore. And <laughs> it's, I had a little joke for you, who, for those who are only listening via the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see that that's not the case. Uh, but, uh, recently I've gotten into flying over the last year or so. And, uh, and so I look for every opportunity. I'm, I'm constantly looking at the clouds and seeing what the winds are doing to see if it's going to be an appropriate day to go fly. So that's, your, your that's arms nice. ever get tired when you do that? They do, man. My arms get terribly <laughs> tired, but again, being the, the specimen of <laughs> physical condition that I am, I've kind of built up the stamina. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's great. And I, I'm envious I'm envious on the flying one. I would have to say that my my favorite thing to do outside the office when I have time is the trail run. Mm. We've got we've got fantastic uh, soft surface trails here in the Ozarks in Northwest Arkansas, and they're just they're great for cycling, but they're also really great for trail running. Haven't been able well, to do that much recently, but I love it. Yeah, well, I, I kind of subscribe to George Carlin's theory on running, uh, and he goes, "Running's not a sport. Running's a way to get somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> he said, or to get away said, from something, right? <laughs> riding, yeah, riding a bus isn't a sport. Why should running be a sport? So, 
Excellent, excellent. Well, point. Lucinda, great to have you with us today. Uh, I know we're going to learn a little bit more about you and and your background in in civil engineering, but tell us a little bit about about your background um, to start with, and then a little bit about uh, Narvar. Sure. So I, you know, I started as you mentioned as a civil engineering major, and I I picked my major the way people did back in the day. It was the only professor wearing jeans, and I thought that looks like a great, a great. <laughs> Uh, uh, thing to study. All the other, all the other professors came out wearing suits, but the civil engineering professor came out with blue jeans and a big old uh, belt buckle. And I thought, that's it. I'm a civil engineer. Um, but I really kind of moved my way into product management, just starting with really solving my own problems. I found that within civil engineering, most of my day had nothing to do with what I studied in school. It had to do with chasing down all the questions coming from contractors. And this is, I'm dating myself. They'd come in via fax. I would look at them, I'd fax them to the architect who would fax them to another engineer and they'd come their way back. And a lot of them got lost in the in the shuffle. And each one of those lost questions was thousands of dollars for my clients. So hmm. school districts who don't have that money. So my first job in product management, I built a database. <laughs> I didn't know what I was hmm. doing. I sat down and I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And I built a tool. And within you know three months of launching that tool, my job was no longer building schools. At the time, I was working for Pasadena Unified School District. My job was putting this database in all of these different project sites up and down California um, for all of our projects. So I suddenly was rolling this out. And next thing I knew, I, someone told me, oh, you're a product manager. And I thought, yeah, I'm a product manager. <laughs> and I, I worked my way uh, from there um, you know, through a, a series of of different uh, paths and made myself uh, here at Narvar and product management. So. so so, tell us a little bit about the company Narvar and, and where yeah. you guys play predominantly. Yeah, so Narvar, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I would say that if you haven't heard of us, just check your email and search for Narvar and you've probably, if you've bought something online, you've interacted with our solution. Mm, so Narvar really powers the post-purchase experience for consumers. So we were founded in 2012. Prior to that, when you would buy something online, you know, you bought it and you kind of hoped and prayed that it was going to arrive. And when it showed up, you're like, great. And, you know, if it didn't, you didn't know what happened and you'd have to contact the, you know, the, the um, customer service desk. You know, since then, a lot of different companies, you know, at UPS and FedEx, they'll send you tracking information, but it's really doesn't tell you what's in the box. It just tells you when a box is going to arrive. Mm -hmm. So what Narvar really did is bridge that gap. It said, after you buy something, we're going to show you the whole journey of that package from the time you hit buy until it arrives on your doorstep in a fully branded experience. We'll send you branded emails that are coming from, you know, whether it's Sephora or Gap or any number of our customers, you'll get that experience all the way through because, you know, Customers that are seeing that, they're more engaged, they're happier, they're going to buy from you again. And the whole thought is, you know, all that money and marketing dollars you spent to acquire the customer, you know, we can reduce that for next time. If we give you a good experience after you purchase, you'll buy again. So that's really the whole the whole thought um, of where we started. So really focusing on that post-purchase, starting with the tracking, getting it from what one of our customers called from click to uh, from, uh, you know, click to porch. As the metric, how long does it take from the hit buy button till it gets to porch? But we also really focus in on if you do need to return it as a consumer, how do we make that as easy as possible? How do we give you the choices that consumers want? We recently launched home pickup. You don't even have to go to the store. We'll send somebody to your house, pick up the package, take it for you back to the store for return. So giving those choices to, to consumers to make that process as easy as possible for every one of our customers. <laughs> 
How big an opportunity is that reverse logistics piece? Because that that seems like a major pain as a you know as as on, on e-commerce grows and as people get mm-hmm. more and more stuff shipped to their house. Particularly, I think about apparel. It doesn't yeah. fit right. I want to send it back. Talk about where that's going. That reverse logistics piece. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's. I would say it's fairly controversial, right? It's growing fast and it's growing fast um, in a lot of different ways. I think we can all thank Zappos way back when for Mm -hmm. free shipping and returns. And that got us all used to it as consumers. Oh, if it doesn't fit, we'll just try it out and we'll send it back. So it is growing, you know, hand over fist. I mean, every every year, the number of um, items that are being returned is significant. Um, And but we want to provide consumers that choice. So yes, more and more items are being purchased online. Pandemic absolutely accelerated online um, shopping. But as you mentioned, it also increased online returns. So it, it's definitely growing and, and we're really focused on a couple of things. So one is how do we make sure, how do we help you buy the right thing the first time? And then if we can't, how do we make it as seamless as possible to return it? And if we can't return it, like, what are your other options? Is, and that's really where you'll, you'll start seeing a lot of companies moving to more sustainable options. If they can't resell it, they might offer you to keep the item, even if you want to return it. Or they may have us, you know, we might just pick it up from you and send it to an actual, you know, a third party location who can, you know, recycle it uh, or resell it in, a, in another market. So, so there's really a lot of different areas that are exploding in this space. And, you know, retailers are absolutely trying to figure it out um, how to do it. And I think the one thing that we, we learn is like the way I look at it is it makes a ton of sense for a retailer to take an item off the shelf, put it in a box and send it to you as a consumer it makes zero sense for a retailer to get a bunch of boxes individually back from you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't want people picking these things up and opening individual boxes. So even thinking about consolidation, how do we put them in a bigger package? How do you put them on a pallet? Distribution centers are used to receiving large pallets of goods, not individual items. And so really focused on, you know, streamlining the operational um, side on the reverse logistics as well. So, so Narvar's primary customer, would be e-commerce companies, people that are mm-hmm. selling and shipping, right? Yeah. Yet you're trying to also impact the customer experience for the actual end users, the 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 customer class, the consumers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So being a B to C, B to B to C kind of yeah. business. Talk about some of the challenges there with regard to impacting customer experience. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my past, I've I've spent like mo- the majority of my career in what I would call HR technology. So whether it's employee experiences or candidate experience and applicant tracking systems, they're all faced with the same thing. Our customer is the business and their customer is the consumer. And how do you how do you balance those? They're not always aligned. Right. So retailer doesn't want you to return anything. So one thing they could do is provide a ton of friction to make it hard to return. But then you're not going to come back as a consumer. And so how do we balance those is, is definitely a challenge. I think that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, mostly we're aligned. I think the bigger struggle is retailers don't always know, or even any customer doesn't always know or wants to be able to give, I would say, white glove experience. They don't can afford to give white glove experience to everybody. And technology is our opportunity to really provide white glove like experiences through technology to the end consumers. And so what we're really trying to do is empower retailers to still maintain their brand. If you go like this is why you don't know who Narvar is, because when you buy something, you're just seeing the retailer's brand is fully branded. And then based off the items that you purchase, 
we can tailor the experience for that individual consumer. So if you bought a pair of black shoes, we might show you recommendations for other things you might like associated with that. So it's taking the branding, taking the consumer information and really bringing them together to try and buy the, you know, the best experience for both as much as possible. But it is a little bit of a Venn diagram. So it's like we're trying to figure out like where are the overlaps? Where where are they? Bo you're both interested in how do we provide that through technology? I got to ask, where did the name come from, Narvar? Narvar, it's interesting. It's uh, and the CEO. I don't know why he came up with this name, but apparently, I think it's in Sweden. Um, it's it's in one of the Scandinavian countries. There's a yearbook called Narvar Ho. I think it's called, which is uh, what, where, when. So if you oh. think about a package. You know, what did I buy and where is it is really where the, the name came from. So it was trying to take that concept of what was being used for, uh, I think it was Swedish yearbooks and, and translate it into to the retail space. So if I if I watch again an episode of Vikings, I might cue in to hear that. In, in I'm pretty sure the Viking, all the Viking universities. Yeah. And the Vikings probably have yearbooks. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Narvar, I think it's Narvar Ho. I'm, I'll probably get the name wrong. So. No, very cool. Thank you for yeah. that. That's that's super interesting. So let's let's shift a little bit to product innovation. So you're the mm -hmm. you're the lead of product there, and, mm -hmm. and what what how do you go about making sure that Narvar is 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 innovating in the various products that you all create? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always uh, it's always easy. You know, I, I would say Narvar is, is definitely the market leader in a lot of these spaces, and so it's easy to just kind of feel like you're coasting, um, but Reality is, you know, we're constantly looking at how to improve, how to make better customer experiences. And like I said, balancing that experience of, you know, what does the consumer want versus what does the retailer want? Um, and really, how do we find, you know, the opportunities within that? Some of the things that we, we tend to do is we're just looking, you know, I think the best product managers are the ones that are curious and really thinking about how do I take, you know, something that maybe was applied to one problem and use it to solve another problem. And, you know, one example, you know, when I was at Intuit, we even taught a, a class on, on this. And one of the examples we gave is like, how can you take the, the concept of an all-you-can-eat buffet and apply it to something else? Hmm. And at the time, that was when they, like the USPS flat rate boxes came out. Anything you can fit in that box is fourteen ninety nine. You know, it's like it's the same concept of all you can eat buffet. I'm going to pay one fee and I'm going to get it right. Prime is now that way a lot of times for Amazon. But starting to look at you know and just think about these different situations. So with with home pickup for returns, it's not like we invented the concept of a courier coming to your house. We've all gotten used to that from from you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats, people bringing us the food, same day grocery delivery. Well, it's like, that's so convenient and great. Can somebody just come pick up my stuff? You know, it's, it's just that in reverse. And so taking a solution that was designed for one use case and applying it to another use case that, that makes sense and testing that out. And so those are just some examples of things that we were trying to do and look, look at what's happening and look at how trends are changing and, and how, does, how do we take advantage of that? Lucinda, for yeah. from somebody that that's got a, a bit of a motor freight background and yeah. supply chain background, all this conversation feels a ton like you're really a four PL or supply chain company or supply chain technology company in, in many respects. How how far down into that stack are you going to go as it relates to autonomous, you know, autonomous systems, autonomous vehicles, drones, and all those other things that are definitely going to be part of the conversation 
on normal, you know, forward logistics and reverse logistics. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about that? I'm not sure how far we're going to go. I mean, I, I always look at it as like, we're just connecting retailers to yeah. the technology. Yeah. We're not going to invent the autonomous home pickup. Sure. Even with home pickup, we're doing it through partners. But rather than our retailers having to one by one, city by city, negotiate deals, we can negotiate what's going to be the best option for this, you know, for San Francisco. Who's who's available who can pick up your item, do the return. And we'll provide that layer in between to make it easier for all of our retailers. So when they go autonomous, we'll be happy to tap into it. Sure. But Narvar, I don't think we're not going to move into that space ourselves. It makes perfect sense. Asset light technology, enabling technology. That's so right. That all the people with the, the, the CapEx in those areas can do what they do better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I look at it as like everybody sees Amazon and they're like, this is amazing. They've got prime. They've got same day delivery. They've got this. Well, if you're a small Shopify store, you're never going to have the, the money and the, the time and the resources to do that. So can Narva provide some of those same experiences for these smaller and, and even large businesses, even large businesses are not going into that themselves. They're not tech first. And so we, we can really offer um, to plug those holes for them. So, so going back to the concept of product mm -hmm. innovation for a moment, yeah. what's your favorite product innovation story? Oh boy, that from just in general or something that I've done? Uh, maybe something you've done or, or been involved in or maybe been peripheral to. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, I get really excited. As I mentioned, I feel like that, you know, trying to think about how do we provide white glove-like experiences through technology, you know, when I was at ServiceNow and we were building out onboarding as an example of a new application, I'd been in the HR space for a while and I'm like, what are we going to do differently here? Mm -hmm. Like, how is this different than what, you know, Workday or any of these other HR companies are doing? And then I realized it's like, as I'm going through onboarding, you know, first my, my boss calls me up and says, hey, you know, what kind of computer do you want? And then it was, you know, somebody else is like, all right, you know, which office are you going to be in? And all this, I was like, why, why can't I just do this myself? Like, why can't I make these choices myself? And so what we ended up doing is just building through workflow and personalization, really every decision that you made in the onboarding process, we continue to tailor that onboarding experience. And so now, as soon as I picked, oh, I want a MacBook Pro, now when it's time to pick my peripherals or, or software, it was all tailored to what was available then. And as if I chose my insurance being Kaiser or you know, United Healthcare, then my next choices are going to be based off of that. So we took every single item that you chose in that process to really continue to personalize it. And the reason I was really excited about when I talked to, to Amit, uh, who's the CEO of, of Narvar, is like, it's exactly the same thing that we're trying to do here, right? As we're thinking about it, it's like, what is the item in the box that you just purchased? How do we tailor this further? How do we make the message very specific to it? How do we think about what additional services you might want because of this is the item that you purchased? So taking those same kind of cues and listening um, posts that we captured in an onboarding experience and thinking about it for the whole end-to-end -end journey. So I think it's, it just shows you how powerful technology is. And if we just think about it the right way and remember the choices you've made in the past, you know, we don't have to ask you every single time if you have a printer and you're going to print out this label. You've done printerless returns 10 times in a row. 
I'm going to guess that you're going to want to do it the next time and then continue to tailor that experience. So that, you know, that's just one example where, you know, how I made the leap as well into, into e-commerce and seeing those connections between the two. Do you see any common mistakes that organizations make when it comes to, to innovation, particularly product innovation? Absolutely. I think the number one thing is listening to people's solutions. As a product manager, you go and, and everyone comes to you with like the solution and when you go and implement that solution, you really quickly realize that it's not solving anybody's problem at all. And so I've seen that over and over and over again. The best product managers are the ones who really you know, keep asking why till they truly understand what it is that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, just to give an example, I, uh, when I was at Jobvite, one of our customers was Twitter obviously in the news a lot. And I took a feature away from our product that said you couldn't like move all your candidates from one job to another job. And Twitter recruiters called me up and they were just so upset. And they're like, we need this feature back. And then, you know, asking a few more questions. Well, it turns out that the reason they wanted it back was that they had 500 postings for engineers on their, on their career site. And so they wanted to take, they closed one job. They want to move all the candidates over to the next job. And it's like, well, the real question is, why do you have 500 postings for engineers on your career site? Why don't you have one posting for career engineers in your career, uh, on your career site and hire, hire 500 positions against it? So it's about asking why you're trying to do something and then coming back with a better solution than what they may have proposed in the first place. Very good. Yeah, very good. I mean, that's, that is is very insightful. And, and we, we spend a lot of time working with uh, concept stage startups and startups at every stage and in, inevitably, they want to start with the solution. They don't understand mm-hmm. the depth of the problem or the unmet need, and they've done no customer discovery yeah. at all, it's, other than maybe friendly fan, uh, family and friends, which is not particularly useful. <laughs> so that, that's that's really uh, really good insight. Yeah. So, Lucinda, where can uh, where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about Narvara? Well, you can definitely come to uh, narvar.com and see see what we're doing there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so the the benefit I think of having a unusual name like Lucinda, unlike the Jeffs of the world, um, <laughs> just Lucinda Lucinda at narvar.com, where you can find me. Uh, you know, LinkedIn slash Lucinda Foss. I'm pretty easy to find. I think if you Google my name, I'm probably going to be the only one you find. So very good. Very good. Well, it is a pleasure having you with us today. We appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and and have fun next time you get to Truckee to do some skiing. Head back up on Saturday. As long as the snow doesn't melt, I'll be out on the slopes. Enjoy. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Paul. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. Thank you for joining. Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.